Hi, just a quick note before we start. I just want to make it clear that today's episode is not a normal episode. It's going to be very serious, and there could be some triggering content related to the leaked Supreme Court draft. So please heed that warning going forward. Hey guys, and welcome to Rainy Tuesdays. It's Margot, and today we're going to be talking in depth about the leaked draft of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. I'll be interjecting here and there to connect these separate interviews, but today we will mostly be hearing from six lovely women who are friends of the podcast. Some of them you've seen or heard before, actually, and some of them are having their debut in this episode, which is also very exciting. I just want to give the disclaimer, though, that none of us are doctors or experts. We're just people living in America being faced with the reality that ourselves and our loved ones are having our rights stripped away. So keep that in mind. Always do your own research and don't be afraid to have this conversation. Three weeks ago, on May 2nd of 2022, a draft of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade was leaked to the public. This incoming decision and the discussion surrounding it has left a lot of us feeling uneasy and angry and scared, so today we're going to dive deeper into that discussion, beginning with the history of abortions in the world and in the U.S. I have limited knowledge about the history of abortions in the world and in the U.S. as the topic isn't taught in educational settings and we barely talk about it as a society. I know that abortions have been around for centuries. I know one of the first records of abortion took place in Egypt, I believe, around 1550, and it was practiced using herbs to induce abortion, as well as one of the things that we all know is before access to legal and safe abortions, there were many women that underwent dangerous procedures to remove a pregnancy that turned lethal. This has been one of the most significant things that has always stuck out to me throughout the history of abortions is that it can be a safe procedure as long as women have access to health care and abortions aren't severely restricted by laws. So yeah, when talking about the history or culture of abortion around the world, there are a couple things I wanted to bring up. First and foremost, the Bible actually has a section where it describes how to have it give a woman an abortion. So sure, it's not the kind we have now, but absolutely, in the Bible, there are verses that explain how to have an abortion. Why this is worth noting is that because really, abortion is not something that is new. It has been along, around for a very, very long time, for thousands of years, literally now. So that's an interesting piece about the history of abortion, because sometimes we act like this is new. This is something that is a very modern medical process and it's not it has been going on for a very long time it can be done outside of a medical context which means if a medical safe context is going to be denied to people that they will do this outside of that context and that is going to be dangerous so that is something important about the history that leads up to today Speaking of the cultural idea of abortion, I'd like to point out that Christianity, Catholicism in specific, is obviously very against it. However, this is not true uh, for all religions. For example, uh, Judaism does not necessarily feel the same way. They very often put the mother first. They are not against all abortions. And even um, the Muslim faith, to a certain degree, they allow abortions for a certain amount of day for any reason. And then after that day, the mother's um, 
livelihood comes first. So to a certain extent, they do as well support abortion and abortion rights. And so when we're talking about this, we do need to acknowledge the cultural and religious context. So for a lot of my classes, my constitutional law class and my legal activism class, I've had to do a lot of research for papers that I've written concerning reproductive rights. And I think the looking at Supreme Court cases, the progress towards um, having legal abortion started with Griswold v. Connecticut, which uh, gave married couples the right to contraceptives. And that right was later extended uh, to single uh, individuals and married individuals in Eisentat v. Baird in 1972. Um, and finally, in 1973, we have Roe v. Wade, uh, which established that women have a right, a constitutional right to abortion. Um, and then Planned Parenthood v. Casey later upheld that law, um, saying that there is a constitutional right, kind of reaffirming Roe v. Wade. Um, and really, like, the modern abortion laws are based on Casey. So it's the history of abortion in the United States is, is long. Um, I've read some things about how in common law, there were some abortions allowed before the quote quickening, which I think is measured in it's in the first semester or trimester. Um, I think that there's been a very long fight for abortion rights. Um, and this fight is still going on today. And I think that the history of abortion rights in the United States have always been a, a topic of contention um, and something that people aren't, aren't going to agree with. While the historical and cultural sides of abortions are fascinating, it's also important to remember the legal side. Two very important legal cases for abortion in the United States specifically are Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. But what do we know about those cases? I know that Roe v. Wade is the landmark Supreme Court ruling that women have a right that provides women the right to a safe, accessible abortions and to reproductive health care. It was decided in 1973 and was the first time abortion had been legal in the U.S. in around or over 100 years. This was a huge moment for women's rights and women's access to reproductive care. I remember learning about this my senior year in high school. However, it was very brief. It was a part of the large case studies that we were supposed to study for U.S. government. We didn't spend a whole lot of time about it, nor was its significance ever really emphasized. It was kind of just like, hey, this is an important case to know. Know it. And then that was really about it. It wasn't really... We didn't go into a whole lot of depth of the true significance it meant for women in the U.S. Um, Roe v. Wade is a Supreme Court decision. And Roe was a mother, and that's a pseudonym for her, that's not her real name, and she was on her third pregnancy and she wanted to abort. She lived in Texas at the time, and in Texas, um, there was no abortions for any non-medical reason. And so she, her attorney filed this case, and it was confirmed in Texas that they believed that she was correct. And it was appealed to the Supreme Court in a 7-2 decision where they decided, due to the due process clause in the 14th Amendment, that she had the right to do this. 
And so something that is important is Roe v. Wade doesn't just affect abortion laws, it also affects our right to privacy. Roe v. Wade is the court case that establishes our right to privacy. And that is something I'm going to continue to talk about. So how Roe v. Wade relates to abortion is often talked about in the splitting into three trimesters, and they have different effects on what can and cannot be laws about each of the trimesters. The first trimester is generally seen as abortion should be allowed regardless of reason, regardless of circumstance. Um, the third trimester, the last trimester in a pregnancy, is very much not so. Um, laws need to have a medical exemption. That is part of the history of Roe v. Wade. Yeah, so Roe v. Wade was a, a Supreme Court case decided in 1973, which gave women the, it recognized a woman's right to abortion without excessive government restriction. Um, and it was very monumental in women's rights and in the women's movement of the 70s. It greatly gave women um, bodily autonomy, freedom, and it's been a Supreme Court case that for the last 50 years women have been grateful for and have depended on to have their rights for reproductive health care. Planned Parenthood v. Casey was a Supreme Court case following Roe v. Wade. Um, it upheld the decision in Roe v. Wade in 1992. And it, it's pretty much, it set the precedent that we are working based off today. Um, pretty much the abortion laws today are based on Casey. I know I've heard about this case before briefly in school along with Roe v. Wade and recently in discussions about women's rights. However, I can't remember what this case was about or what the decision of the case was. I know it's important and kind of up, backed up the decision of Roe v. Wade, but I don't know much of the specifics about it. This was kind of another one that was just had even less attention than Roe v. Wade did. It was marked as important, but that's really all that I know. So I will be doing some reading about this case soon to educate myself. Casey started in Pennsylvania about a law that had a few different provisions uh, for abortion requirements, things like 24 hour waiting periods, as well as parental consent for minors were things that were upheld and allowed to continue. However, the one that was overruled was spousal consent and spousal notification. And so when talking about that, it's important to acknowledge that Casey doing a few things. Uh, the main points of it were that it upheld that clause, that due process clause in the 14th Amendment, and that right to privacy was upheld, but it did change a few things. Uh, the trimester rulings were changed in Casey and changed so that states could have more specific laws about more specific things, which is relevant to how some of the laws now don't fit into that three different trimester ruling. So both of these cases were very important, not only for the decisions they provided, but for the precedent that they set. Now one of them, and let's be honest, both of them are at risk of being overturned. What was everyone's initial reaction to this news? So my initial reaction to the draft being leaked was honestly kind of numb. I feel like our generation, especially with a constant stream of headlines and news that we have because of technology um we get really desensitized to stuff like this so 
I didn't, it's not that I wasn't affected by it, but I just didn't feel anything for like 20 minutes. I, it just, I didn't have anything to feel. Um, and then it kind of finally set in the, kind of the panic and rethinking really my entire life because this is healthcare that, you know, all women are going to need for the rest of their lives. So I was thinking about every possibility that every possible thing that could happen to me was just kind of going over in my head. And then I was coming home and watching videos on what other women were saying, what other women could possibly experience. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the initial thing. Well, my initial reaction was kind of just like shock. I was not expecting that it would actually that it could actually be overturned um and also just a little frightened just about what the future will look like of this country but also just because I'm from Missouri I'm from St. Louis and Missouri is one of the states where it would be affected by the overturning of Roe v. Wade um and I've kind of always grown up with the with the mindset of um, that abortions would always be there if I needed it um, and if my friend needed it. And that was kind of always in the back of our mind. Um, and I couldn't even imagine a world where it wasn't legal. So then the possibility of it actually being illegal was kind of just shocking. Like it didn't really feel real. Um, and I think I will still feel that way, even if it actually does decide, if they do decide to overturn it. Um, and it also just made me think about, from like a social work point of view, it made me think about like how it, what it, how it would affect me, but also everyone around me. Um, I think that I am coming from a more privileged background. So if I, being in Missouri, if I did, find myself needing an abortion, I could go to Illinois and it would be okay. But a lot of people don't have those options, especially in bigger states like Texas, um, where they could be miles and miles away from the closest abortion clinic. Um, so I think it affects, it affects everyone, every state, um, which I think is crazy. And it affects more than half of the population in the United States, which is also crazy. Um, and not even just women, but just everyone. Um, another thing, another initial reaction I had was obviously there would be a lot of protest. Um, and we recently went to one of those. And I was just, it was very empowering to see everyone like come together. And um using their voice, fighting for what they believe in. And to me, a law should reflect what the majority of that country thinks. And I don't think the majority of this country wants it, wants Roe v. Wade to be overturned. So that is what frustrates me the most is that it's not about like what the citizens of this country want. It's just about what the people in power want. And that is the most frustrating thing about this whole situation. My initial reaction was panic, anger, and fear. 
even though it was only a draft, it felt as though my autonomy and rights as an individual had been already ripped away. I panicked in the sense of, how can I stop this from restricting abortions? What can I... What can be done to ensure that if I don't want kids, I don't have to? Am I at risk of losing access to my birth control? The only thing that helps reduce my period pain? And I'm angry that in 2022, this is something that we still have to fight for. That though that all of those who can get pregnant still have to fight for their choice of when to have children or not to have children at all. To fight for the right to have control over their bodies. I'm scared of what they'll decide and how much they're going to restrict if they do. I don't have any clue of how far and what will be made illegal. In some states, they're already planning to make IUDs a felony. And how much, going in hand with that, how much do they want to restrict women, women's rights, period? When I first saw the leaked draft, um... It was a mixture between shock and frustration, um, just kind of more like fury, actually, shock and fury. Um, I was kind of shocked that it had happened. Like, I'd known that people were trying to get um, it overturned for a long time, that it's been, they've been pushing it towards the Supreme Court, but I'd always, I guess, ignorantly believed that the Supreme Court would uphold women's right to choose and uphold Roe v. Wade and, and Planned Parenthood versus Casey um, because it's a right. Like, my body is my body. I get to make the decisions for it. And um, it just feels like we've, we're inching our way, not even inching, galloping our way back to the past. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking and infuriating to see this in real time and to see it happen all around you and it's just like shocking the way that people don't care um about our rights about and they say it's all about safety and trying to protect lives but it's it's never ever been about that it has never ever been about that because at the end of the day it is not your decision based on your religion if what I get to do with my body if I want to have a baby or if I don't want to have a baby your opinion and your religion should never ever be able to determine what I am able to do because that is not my religion at all and even if it is it doesn't matter because it's still my choice it should get to be my choice whatsoever um and it's just like so incredibly frustrating to read all about this and see how many different states are already implementing uh, abortion laws and abortion bans that are going to kill people that are going to kill people and I'm not talking about unborn babies I'm talking about people who have been alive for years I'm talking about children who have been assaulted and molested I'm talking about people who are survivors of uh sexual assault and uh that it it's just losing my words because of how angry I, I am. <laughs> Honestly, I, I wasn't too surprised, um, sadly. I think with the current makeup of our Supreme Court, um, it was to be ex expected. I think a lot of people were hoping that um, they would recognize that 
a right to reproductive health care is protected in the Constitution, but I wouldn't say that this was a very surprising thing. I think it was very disappointing. I remember um, just reading about it initially. The feelings that I had were just anger and frustration and just a, a sense of helplessness in that no matter, like, it sometimes can feel like no matter how much activism is going on and even if the majority of people uh, do support uh, abortion rights, that it it really does come down to just a few Supreme Court justices making the decisions that aren't going to affect them, but are going to affect thousands of people in the United States. So my first reaction to seeing this draft and actually reading through some of it was, well, for starters, no shit was the first one. I uh, saw this coming. Second was, holy shit. Um, if you actually read into the document, there's a lot of terrifying things in there. Um, reading some of the opinions from the justices are concerning. The way that they believe that the world is and the world should be is factually terrifying. Um, just actually irrelevant to the legality of the case. Um, just their general opinions on life is horrifying. The fact that they are in charge of us and have lifetime appointments absolutely terrifying so basically one and two are holy shit and no shit were my Im immediate reactions to this holy shit is right hearing everyone's initial reactions was both affirming and heartbreaking for me when i saw this leak i was pissed and scared and grossed out and it's really nice to know that i wasn't alone but I also hate that we were made to feel like this. Personally, I was unfortunately waiting for this to happen, but I was definitely curious to see if anybody else was. For if I expected or not, I had kind of been expecting something like it. I have seen sort of a build-up to it. I've seen people talking about, um, you know, them the SCOTUS wanting to take away birth control and just overall tighten up reproductive um, restrictions, especially for women. So I didn't expect it, but it wasn't, it wasn't out of the blue, I guess. I had been, I had been seeing stuff about the possibility of it for a long time. Yes, um, the second Amy uh, Coney Barrett was confirmed as a Supreme Court justice. Um, I knew it was going to happen and it was only a question of when it happened. And when I had brought this up on the internet, uh, there was quite a lot of people who essentially told me I was crazy for having this opinion. But I don't think I was crazy. I think anyone who was paying attention would have known this was coming. I mean, they campaigned on it. This was a Republican talking point that they wanted to overturn Roe. Yeah, um, I, I think I did expect it. Um, like I said, it didn't come as a surprise. Um, with su the Supreme Court justice that we have on there now, and it's abundantly clear that they have a certain ideology, and it's been clear what their views are on abortion rights and reproductive rights. So it definitely wasn't that big of a surprise. I was hoping that um, they would be able to put their own personal beliefs aside in deciding this case. Um, 
but it definitely wasn't a surprise. I had some difficulties answering this question since I already had concerns about the overturning of Roe v. Wade when Kavanaugh became a Supreme Court judge, justice. Um, I remember talking to my dad about it when he was first appointed and I was angry that he had even gotten that far with the accusations and how he acted during his trial. I don't think he's fit to be a justice and I still stand by that decision. Um, so at the time I was concerned but there wasn't any word from SCOTUS about Roe as well as the courts was a little more balanced. I've used that term loosely at the time. Um, but now with a conservative majority I'm not surprised that this is being brought up, but I didn't necessarily expect them to actually consider overturning the decision, considering how... But now with the conservative majority, I'm not surprised, but I didn't necessarily expect them to actually consider overturning the decision. I guess I just didn't expect it because of how influential Roe v. Wade is to our healthcare system, um, to women's rights in general. I thought, you know, I guess I was naive about it and thinking that, you know, women's rights were protected in some form with this decision being in place, um, as well as just how common abortions are, how safe the procedure is now, um, after being legalized, how safe it is for women to actually get abortions, as well as just how common it is worldwide. And seeing the results of how many women pass away when abortions aren't legalized. Like, not only do we know that from our own history, but from world history in general, that the right to safe and legal abortions significantly decreases the amount of women that die during childcare, um, and just in general. So I'm, I'm just baffled that this is a, this is something that they're con even considering, knowing the ramifications that, or knowing the dangers they're putting our citizens in. So I think a lot of us had an inkling that this was coming. It is interesting to me that we all got to that mindset at different points, though. But now that this draft has been leaked, it's impossible to avoid talking about the ramifications of this decision. I think one of the obvious ones is relevant to abortion, and I'm sure somebody else is going to cover those. So I'm going to leave that to them. But something I wanted to say is Roe v. Wade has been used as precedent for other Supreme Court cases. The right to privacy that is established in it is used to, in cases completely irrelevant to abortion. For example, Obergefell versus Hodges is the Supreme Court case that legalized gay marriage across the country. Um, that court case had precedent based on Roe v. Wade. And so with that being overturned, this can be questioned. And before anyone says that I'm possibly taking things a little too far, Justice Alito actually mentioned this possibility in the leaked draft of the document. So we need to keep that in mind. Plenty of laws, like for example, the one that prevents um, sodomy from being criminalized. 
Yeah, so that case as well had precedent uh, from Roe v. Wade that helped the determination of the results of that case. And something that's important to acknowledge is that while obviously Roe v. Wade is about abortion, it also established our right to privacy. And so without this right to privacy, not only could we lose certain things that we are used to having in our day-to-day lives, privacy is important to us, to everyone. And something more than that is simply that Roe v. Wade has been used as precedent in many, many Supreme Court cases. And now that it has been overturned, uh, the rulings of those cases might be called into question. So the ramifications of this legally aren't just relevant to abortion. They end up in a lot of different categories. The ramifications are going to be insurmountable. I mean, the amount of deaths that are going to happen is insane. Um, Like, again, abortion bans, as we've been saying for years, abortion bans do not, and abortion laws preventing abortion do not save lives. It just prevents safe abortions. Um, So more people are going to die. If we really want to have less abortions, then the way to do that is to increase birth control and contraceptives and to increase uh, sexual education because people often don't know how babies are made because they're not told. They're not told the um, full extent of it. They're told they're, they're not even fully aware of how everything works. Um, I feel like I am still learning about how my body works and how my uterus does things and, and whatnot. And um, we should know how everything works down there because it's our bodies. And um, those are the ways that we're going to prevent more abortions is by creating more opportunities for people to know what pregnancy is, how you get pregnant, um, and then also expanding solutions for people who, or for motherhood, for mothers, um, for, for children, because it's, why do we care about a fetus, an embryo, a clump of cells more than we care about an actual alive child? And um, fostering and adoption is not an alternative to abortion and will never be. Because, one, the person who is required to now carry that embryo, that baby, to full term, um, has their lives disrupted for a minimum of nine months, but afterwards from recovering from the pregnancy um, and childbirth. So they have had their lives fully disrupted, even if they do not end up keeping the kid. And then... Just the foster care system in the U.S. is trash. It is trash. And, I mean, I believe that adoption is a beautiful thing, but it should not be, oh, you don't want the kid, just give it up. Just give it up. No, because that creates an insane amount of trauma in those kids. So it's it's not worth it. It's better to just not have the baby than to cause potentially trauma to yourself and trauma to that child or children if you have more than one um so fostering and adoption is is not and never will be and will never be a solution or alternative to abortion ever Mm -mm. just it's not going to um and then it's not just like the ramifications aren't just going to be about making people keep continue to be pregnant which is fucked up um regardless of if there are states that say oh there are certain 
situations where we'll let you get one because those are going to be taken away. We already know that they're going to be taken away because they don't care about people. <laughs> they don't care about people. They care about controlling. Um, and I've seen this a lot. I've seen this going on a lot on Instagram about um, how if Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey is overturned, then um, and people who continue to get abortions and then go to jail for it, uh, people who are incarcerated don't have the right to vote anymore, which means that anyone who is incarcerated for an abortion is no longer given the right to vote. So we can't have, we are no longer able to have a say in what happens because we can't vote for policymakers at all. So it's, it's, we have to look further than just what it means about taking away about harpy laws and, and, and whatnot, because it, it's only ever been about controlling and about being able to force people to do what, what you want because you want certain things to happen. It's never, ever been about safety. Um, and then I think that this is going to expand even further because uh, it's, they're not going to stop here. <laughs> they're going to continue overturning more and more laws. Like gay rights isn't in the fucking constitution. If they're saying that abortion isn't in the constitution, they're going to come for the, for gay equality as well. They're going to take away our right to get married and other things. Like it's, it's not going to stop here. Um, and so for anyone who's in a marginalized community, it's, they're coming for you if they're not already because they don't give a shit. Uh, and so, yeah, just, it's not going to stop here. Um, so, so many women rely on this for, it, it, it's not just a physical health thing for women, it's also a mental health thing. Um, it's all-encompassing. Reproductive rights are all-encompassing, so, you know, this is going to affect, this is going to affect every aspect of a woman's life, as awful as it is to say that. Um, especially women with lower incomes, especially women of color, it's going to be, it's going to have so many awful outcomes from it. A lot more death for women going through pregnancy, going through childbirth, um, who maybe weren't fit to or prepared to or financially able to care for themselves in the way that they need to. Um, the mental health of women is going to take a huge toll with you know, you think about anxiety of possible pregnancies, um, and then depression, anything that could come from having an unwanted pregnancy and having an unwanted child. Um, and then, you know, just to combat what a lot of people who are pro-life, a lot of what they're saying is, um, you know, that it is for the child, it's for the life of the fetus, um, so even though they're not taking into account the happiness of women, we can even combat their argument of the happiness of the child. And, you know, you think about a child being born into an, a home where they weren't wanted or being born and then put up for adoption or put into the foster care system. And there's so much trauma that comes with that or being born into a home that's not financially stable or doesn't have two stable parents or it does who didn't want them. You know, that's that's so much trauma wrapped up into one childhood. And it's not even it's it's gonna be thousands, 
millions if if this happens um and if they keep it like this for a while i i think that this is going to be something that goes back and forth for a very long time but i who knows how long it would stay around um so yeah that that it they like to argue that this is for the child the life of the child but overall any child that is forced to be born um with parents that did not want it is not going to have a perfect happy life a perfect happy stable life it's just it's not it's not going to happen um I think there's going to be a lot of difficulty for everyone to access safe and honest reproductive health after if this is overturned there's going to be difficulty for those who can get pregnant to get abortions in states where it remains legal due to influx of -of out-of-state patients women of color and black women are going to have even more difficulty getting quality health care and reproductive care they're already received such poor quality of care i having this overturned is going to impact them so much on levels that I can't understand. Um, And unfortunately, as I mentioned in the previous question, there are going to be a lot of women who die getting botched illegal abortions through not having access to them. There are going to be a lot of parents and children that are going to suffer from forced births, especially as things are getting more expensive, housing becomes more inaccessible, and just outrageously overpriced and with current events how baby formula it continues to be scarce they're going to be an influx of infants and there's no way to feed them because not every mother can breastfeed so i just the ramifications of this decision is going to be unimaginable um i think the biggest thing is that the states um so roe v wade doesn't affect all the states some of the states will still have um some of the states will still keep their abortion rights but i think states like missouri where this does affect them the most people are going to have to go to the neighboring states or the states close by that do offer abortions and those states and planned parenthoods are going to be just in clinics are going to be completely overworked with trying to maintain abortions in that state but also all the surrounding states um so there's going to be lack of resources um there's going to be um huge waiting times like maybe you can't even get into these clinics until it would be illegal to have your abortion um which is a huge problem um if there's just less clinics and there's less availability for women and other people to get help Another thing is that it would be really hard for people to even get there. Maybe the closest abortion clinic is miles away and maybe you're from an impoverished community um, and you don't have the means to get there. You probably, you might not have a car. Maybe you can't even drive yet. Um, Or maybe you don't want anyone to know and you don't want to tell anyone that you're doing this, but you're going to be forced to tell people in order to find a ride there. Um, So it's just a really big, big problem that is going to affect people in lower socioeconomic statuses a lot more than um, the rest of the population, which I think is very unfair and something 
that really needs to be considered that I don't think that the court or the government is considering, which is deeply upsetting. I think the ramifications are going to be very scary. I think that um, women and people with uteruses are going to die because of this. I think that um, this, if um, Roe and Casey get overturned, the states that are more conservative are going to, they already have these laws and they're going to go into effect that are going to be greatly limiting um, people's access to safe and affordable abortions. And I think that it's, it's become very clear just looking at history that making abortions illegal doesn't stop them from happening. It just stops safe abortions from happening. And so how many people are going to have to die um, because they're going to go to some place where they're having an unsafe abortion or they're going to attempt an at-home abortion or they're going to, the pregnancy is going to threaten their lives and they're not going to be able to get the life-saving treatment that they need because that life-saving treatment would be viewed as an abortion. Um, So I think it's very scary. I think that even in states like Illinois where abortions will be legal, um, those clinics are going to be just overworked and overrun with people from other states coming to get a safe abortion. So even if someone is living in a state where there are abortion rights, um, there's a very likely chance that the abortions still aren't going to be as accessible due to such a high demand. I think also just a lot of low-income communities and women of color who are already disproportionately affected when it comes to safe and affordable health care are going to be further um, affected by this and that's just a very scary thought to think about how so many people and so many communities are going to be affected by this in such a negative way. It's absolutely terrifying to think about all of the things that could happen from this decision, from a lack of healthcare to a lack of privacy, nothing good will come of it. But can we do anything about it? And how do we live in this world safely if we can't? Assuming this leak is the final decision, and yes, I am assuming it is, uh, the opinion itself might change, but I doubt the decision will. Uh, So what I urge everyone to do, if you or your partner is able to get pregnant, be extra careful with your birth control, and specifically look into what your states are doing. So while this uh, Supreme Court case, when overturned, it is basically just this federal ruling that is overturned, and it's up to states. So some states can essentially completely protect abortion rights. So for some states, nothing will change. But for other states, there are many states that have trigger laws that will immediately outlaw just about every type of abortion, assuming this does in fact uh, stick. And the second it is overturned officially, then these trigger laws will go into effect. And in certain states will ban all or pretty close to all abortions. So if you or your partner can get pregnant, for starters, Make sure that you're paying very close attention to your contraceptive, contraception, and importantly, know what your state is doing. Different states are doing very, very different things, and you might be in a state where your abortion rights are entirely the same within that state, wherever you're going to be living, but in some that won't be the case. 
make a plan with your partner. Discuss exactly how you're going to use contraceptives in your relationship. Perhaps discuss regular pregnancy testing, depending on what you're going to do. These conversations should be had even if abortion was completely legal and protected everywhere, but it's more important now than ever. For how people should move forward, I myself am not very knowledgeable on the aspects of moving forward that include fighting or, you know, you know, fighting back against this, pushing back. Um, I would say contacting senators and representatives. I've seen places that you can do that. You can find resources, numbers, emails to contact and voice your own opinion. I'm sure there are plenty of protests if you're um, able to do that COVID-wise or wanting to do that and comfortable with it COVID-wise. Um, you know, that's, that's an option. Um, I would also urge women to reach out to a gynecologist, figure out what you can do to keep yourself safe in this time because the draft is hoping to, you know, they're hoping to overturn Roe v. Wade by June. So um, there's a small window of time where you can try to figure out how to keep yourself safe, um, whether that be a certain form of birth control like an IUD. Um, some women can't take a birth control, so just reach out to a medical professional, see how you can take care of yourself, look at your options, um, if you're unable, if, if, alongside pushing back, just make sure to keep in mind that you need to figure out how to keep yourself safe. I would urge individuals who are assuming this leak is the final decision to contact their representatives and try to get Congress to make abortion legal nationwide. There are people fighting for human rights who are trying to do the same thing. Get on board. Contact your local officials and reps to protect women's rights in your states. Vote for people who will protect women's rights. Elections are coming up. Donate to abortion funds to help women in states where they can't access abortions. Talk about it with your friends and family. Be a voice for those who can't be there. If you're a man listening to this, be a voice for women when they're not there and when they are there. And amplify their voice. Make sure that they are heard. Don't speak over them. Make sure that they are heard. And believe women. Let them choose what to do with their own bodies. They know what's best for their own body. Everyone knows what's best for their own body. They're, each body is unique, and the only person that knows what's best for that that singular body is the one who who owns it. Let them choose. I think people should get educated on this issue. It should be a more talked about topic. Um, I think that um, you know you should definitely be vocal. I mean, show your representatives that. This decision does not represent your beliefs. Um, if if our government officials aren't going to stand up for us, we have to stand up for ourselves in these situations. Um, just be a friend to your friends who are going to be affected by this. Listen, support in any way that you can. Um, there's a lot of information about um, like places that you can donate that can help people. Um, get safe and affordable abortions. So just educate yourself, find a way to make an impact using your own skills and what you can. 
keep fucking fighting. We have to. Um, it's bleak, and I really, really hope it's not. Um, because there are so many people who live in red states that don't have access to blue states. And there are also a lot of red states that are trying to create laws that will um, make it illegal for you to go to another state for an abortion. Um, and we, I mean, at the end of the day, we can't give up because if we give up, then we're allowing it to happen even as hard as it sounds. And we've just got to keep fighting and fighting. And I know it sounds difficult and it, it sounds really overwhelming. Um, and it is, it is overwhelming because we shouldn't have to fight this hard for literally the ability to be respected. Um, we are talking about respect here. People with uteruses are not respected. That's the, that's, it's done. That's it. That's the, that's the bottom line. We're not, because if we were, then this would not even be up for debate. But the fact is people, when they see, they look at me, they don't look at someone with the ability to make my own decisions and who can have their own choice no matter what they see someone who they see an object they see oh I can fuck them I can do whatever I want to them and it doesn't matter uh, there's no respect um so we have to continue to fight for that right to be respected there are so many wonderful ways that you can fight for human rights and I think now is a good time to mention the fact that there's a link in the description of this episode to a website that makes it easier to contact your public officials. But what happens when you start to feel burned out from all of these things? What should you do then? I think burnout is a very common thing when it comes to fighting for human rights. Oftentimes it can feel like no matter what you're doing, how much you're educating yourself, you're educating others, how active you're being, that it's not really making a difference. And that can feel very mentally defeating. Um, I think in these situations, prioritize your mental health, do as much as you can, but also make sure that you're, um, protecting your own mental health and your own sanity, because if your mental health isn't in a good place, then like, if you're not helping yourself, you can't help others. So in those situations, just, you know, um, be an activist, be an advocate, but for human rights, but also be an advocate for your own mental health. It's completely understandable that people are experiencing burnout right now. Things are crazy in the U.S., and they probably always will be, and things are crazy around the world. It's completely understandable to feel this burnout. I'd like to bring us to Audrey Lord, who suggested that self-care is a radical act. And it's very important to activism. It needs to be incorporated in our activism. If we cannot take care of ourselves, we cannot take care of others. So remember to take care of yourself when you are concerned with all of these things, mentally and physically. You can't fight the good fight <laughs> if you're in physical or mental disrepair. I mean, take breaks. You gotta take breaks away from, from social media. Um, reconnect with friends and family reconnect with nature um just take the time to recenter um and you should do this even without fighting for human rights <laughs> because life sucks um but it's really important to be able to detach 
oneself from these things as much as one can. I know there are some some things where you can't because it's it's impossible to. Um, but detaching oneself from it as much as they can is going to help with burnout the most because you the, the fact is if this fight goes on for another few months for six years whatever um you is no possible way for you to be able to fight for that long you're going to burn out at some point if you haven't already and I know so many people who are burned out just from this fucking pandemic um and so you, it's really important for all of us to listen to our bodies and take the time to recenter, take the time to remove ourselves from this chaos and to rediscover what is driving us. Because if we don't know why we're fighting, then we're not going to keep fighting. I cannot thank those who are fighting for human rights enough. They are doing so much for each and every single one of us that we have no idea about um i would tell them to make sure that they are taking time for self-care and if it's the smallest form i know it's really difficult to find time but self-care is a revolutionary act and i would encourage it um if you can make sure to take time to recover and heal from the struggles of fighting for human rights i can't imagine how traumatic and depressing it is to constantly fight for these things um they do such difficult work with such little recognition um so i'd like to say thank you and i appreciate all that you've done for us in terms of political burnout it's something that i experience very often um and as as bad as it sounds, the way that I combat it is just turning off my phone. Um, because there there are times when I do think to myself, I need to look more into this, I need to watch videos on this, I need to read articles about this, and I do. And that's when I take the time, I get myself in the right headspace to do it, and and I get it done and I get it out of the way. But when I see something where it's like, I can't handle this anymore today, it is weighing on me. You just, you have to put it away and you can come back to it and it's okay. Um, like I said earlier, we live in a time where we have a constant stream of headlines and and generations before us didn't have it how we do, um, where it's right at our fingertips all of the time in front of our eyes. Um, and that is so mentally draining. And that's something that's not talked about enough. And I feel like there's so many things that say, you need to look at this right now. This is incredibly important. And it is. And we know that it is. But um, you reading that right at this moment yourself, that's not going to change anything. You can put it off for a little bit. It's important to take care of yourself. And um, yeah, that's how I deal with burnout. I cannot put it any better than what has already been said. You need to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. Personally, I've stopped consuming any news within the hour that I wake up and the hour before I go to bed because I just think I sleep better that way. Um, that's just one of my things. Before I wrap this episode up, I wanted to give everyone an opportunity to share any final thoughts on this leak and everything surrounding it. I think we're overturning Roe v. Wade would be a mistake. I think it would significantly limit any 
progression in women's healthcare in reproductive rights in general. Um, it's incredibly harmful to its citizens and that the government considering overturning this is, I believe, an act of harm. It's just a really bleak situation um, being a woman and using birth control and having access to those reproductive um, health cares is so, so important because those clinics do so much more than just abortions and having them be so limited and restricted and focused only on the abortion aspect is so preventative of the care that they provide. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, it's a really difficult situation for all of those out here who are experiencing these insane restrictions um, and worrying if your state is next, depending on if this is passed or not. Um, I wish all of those who can get pregnant um, the best of luck and that no matter what your choice of being a parent or not resides in your hands. Some final thoughts I have, because I don't want this to be insanely long um is uh we need to stop referring to what's happening as the handmaid's tale coming true um because the handmaid's tale is based off of real life events that happen to indigenous women and women of color and so by saying the handmaid's tale is now happening is erasing the fact that it already did happen and is still happening to people of color um it's erasing their experiences so i understand what people mean um but uh, Handmaid's Tale is focused on a white woman, whereas the background is of people of, based on people of color, and so it whitewashes that history, whitewashes the reality of of um, the Handmaid's Tale, the show. Um, and so, yes, it's scary, and it's a really it is a good example of what could happen, but um, it is also still offensive and demeaning and. Um, not not demeaning that's not the word I'm looking for um it's taking away from what it actually what that show and is actually about the actual history of it um and yeah so that's one thing that I've been seeing around a lot of people saying oh Gilead is here and um for some people Gilead has already always been here and so it's just Gilead is now here for white people and so it's it's an it's taking away the conversation from the rights of everyone and focusing it now on white people because we're now erasing history of people of color. Um, so that's kind of it. Um, but yeah, uh, shit's hard. <laughs> shit's hard right now. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I didn't ever think that this day would happen. This time would happen, I guess. Uh, it's not really a day, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I think, the situation is very upsetting. It's, it feels like we're moving backwards, but I like to think that out of everything negative, there's a bright side. So I guess the bright side of this is just uniting with people in this fight and working together and hopefully working towards codifying Rowan Wade um, working towards helping others, 
Um, we really can't control what the Supreme Court is going to decide, but we can control how we react um, and how we support the people around us and we support our communities. So I think that as horrible of a situation this is and how upsetting it is, it's also a chance to unify us. And it's also a chance to realize where there's discrepancies in those who are supposed to be representing us and protecting us with the law. Um, so I think this is a, a chance for people to get educated on the topic, to educate others, to help others in any way that they can. Um, and hopefully that wrote this leaked draft isn't the final draft. And hopefully the protests that are going on now and the people who are being vocal about it, uh, hopefully that reaches those in power and they recognize um, the true opinions and beliefs of our country. And hopefully they also recognize the detrimental effects that it would have if Roe is overturned and they reconsider. Uh, something extra I wanted to discuss about this was actually that the leaking of this draft is pretty unprecedented. This is not a thing that happens. Usually Supreme Court is very, their decisions, what's going on in there is very locked down. It is very private until the official ruling is made. And there have been some concern about that. The fact that this could be a change, that this is happening. This document has been released and obviously there has been a whole bunch of media coverage. There's been a whole lot of concern in the general public rightfully so but at the same time this is something that's very unprecedented we are not used to having supreme court decisions uh leaked early to the general public something i want to say about that is uh if the justices are concerned about this happening i would like them to consider the fact that um roe v wade establishes the right to privacy so um it, it must suck having their privacy at work violated, really. I truly do feel bad for that. I think it's pretty safe to say that this leaked draft has been raining on all of our braids. To be honest, the amount of times I've cried while editing this episode is way more than I care to admit. I want to say thank you, though, to Becca, Haley, Ashley, Joanna, Rena, and Carly for participating in this episode. Also, side note, if you have the time, definitely check out Carly and Ashley's podcast, Perpetually Single. They're seriously fantastic, and I will also link them in the description. It's been a really rough time lately, but having strong women in my life, including but not limited to these six, has helped tremendously. So keep fighting, keep voting, and have a sunny Wednesday.